Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 25 about two groups or communities of people called two nations and one community or nation that is going to heaven and the other group or nation that is going to hell. We'll learn about that from Tom Cantor in Genesis chapter 25 in just a few moments. We want to encourage you to continue to pray for our Jewish evangelism outreach going on this summer, the Summer Blitz, where we send 111 missionaries into 15 U.S. and Canadian cities to reach lost Jewish people in their communities. Matter of fact, I have a testimony here from one missionary working out there. It said, God really showed us some fruit that comes from his spirit today because we were interrogated by a Jewish woman that was very hostile with us. However, later God opened the door to an area of buildings where Jewish people lived, where the supervisor or apartment owner, I'm not sure if he was Christian or not, allowed us in into that area where there was twice as many Jewish doors as where we were previously a little bit earlier. And so God is really opening doors to where the gospel can go out and Jewish gifts can be given to gospel gifts from Tom Cantor to these lost Jewish people. And you can be a part of the gospel going to the lost nation of Israel that's right here in the United States and Canada. And you can support us by a donation of any amount and call us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. We also put out 10 commandment tracks this summer to Gentiles or doors we can't identify as Jewish, and you can get 20 of these amazing high-quality tracks, 20 of them for a donation of $20 or more because they're not available on our website. So call us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thirty fifty one, And you can learn more information about Friendship with God and Tom Cantor by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for your donations and support to continue this Bible teaching radio program. Now here is Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 25 about two groups and communities of people and two nations, one going to heaven, one going to hell. Okay, here we go. We're ready now? Genesis 25. Let's uh, look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for being the loving Father who teaches us. Teach us now, Lord. We are your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 25, verse 22. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that, his brother came out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with some of that red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear me, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold him his birthright unto Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He did eat and drink, rose up, went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, we've come in our study in this chapter that after 20 long years of trying to have children, finally Rebekah conceives. 
And now we saw that as she settled down to what she thought was just going to be a wonderful experience of being pregnant, having a baby, instead she finds herself thrust into this absolutely horrible condition of being lunged forward by this great struggle who we saw in verse 22, the children struggled within together within her. This was more than she could endure. And so the first time in history we find her going to God because of a physical dilemma that drove Rebecca to her knees. And that's what will happen like nothing else. A physical serious health condition, it'll drive a person to his knees. And that's what happened with her. And so on her knees, we read in verse 22, she went to inquire of the Lord. And she just had one simple question for God. And she thought about, if God has answered Isaac's prayer, then why this? Why this big struggle? And the answer that God gives her was far more than she expected. It rocked her. Because the answer that God gave to her was an explanation about two basic types of people that have ever been on earth, that will ever be on earth. And so as God explained this to her, that she was going to be used by God in her pregnancy, in her childbirth, in her child rearing, to demonstrate these two basic communities, or these groups, or nations as they're called, one going to heaven, the other one going to hell. And these two communities or nations would not be known by their nationality. They wouldn't be known by their family. They wouldn't be known by anything except by they would be known by the manner or the living, by how they lived their lives, by the characters that they had, by their approach to life, how they met challenges in life. And he emphasized to Rebecca that if you want to look at their nationality and you look at their family, you won't be able to tell them apart. And we saw that to emphasize that you wouldn't be able to see this difference was when God uses these words in verse 23, such as, in thy womb and from thy bowels. And on that same point, when the Lord Jesus Christ, he saw the thoughts of some of the Jewish people as he alone could see thoughts, and he heard what they were saying in themselves as he saw them thinking, he heard what they were saying in themselves, and they were saying, just because we have Abraham for our father, just because we came from the very womb of Sarah, the Lord Jesus said to them in Matthew 3, 9, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And at that point, he could have pointed back to Genesis 24, 23, where we are, and he could have said, don't you remember how two groups of people, how two communities, how two nations, one that was going to heaven, one that was going to hell, were both inside Rebecca? They were both in her womb. They both were separated from her bowels. Don't you remember that? And the way verse 22 reads when it says the children struggled within her, they struggled together within her, it just emphasizes how these two groups of people, they don't peacefully coexist together. And there's a basic struggle that's there. And sometimes when I'm trying to persuade some of my Jewish brethren and we're at the point of arguing, I never like to say we're arguing, but we are arguing, and I look at them, and I think to myself the words of verse 22, the children struggled together within her. And like my sister-in-law used to say about me and my brother, how could these two be brothers? And that was the surprise of it all. And the impact of the behold in verse 24, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, 
Behold, there were twins in her womb. Behold, there were twins in her womb. Twins in her womb were as close as they would ever be. Because the Lord used this term, that point, they'll be separated from thy bowels. In verse 23. And it indicates that as soon as they came out of Rebekah, they would go on separate ways. And that's what we're going to see play out through the rest here. Esau is going to be the father of the community and the nation heading straight for hell. Jacob is going to be the father of another community going to heaven. And we continue to see this fulfillment of verse 23 all over. We see it in Christian homes today where sons and daughters from the same parents coming from the same womb are members of two different communities or nations. Some show themselves as they leave the home, they separate. And some show themselves to continue and to be a part of Jacob's community, going to heaven. And others, other part of them, show themselves to be part of the Esau community. And together, when you look at them, they fulfill this prophecy. They fulfill this prophecy. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And we saw how Rebecca was told in verse 23 that one people is going to be stronger than the other and the elder is going to serve the younger. Now, without a doubt, after Rebecca was told this, she ran to Isaac and she told him. She told him, she says, you know what God just told me? God just told me that the elder is going to serve the younger. And we don't know what Isaac was thinking. He might have had some male pride and he was thinking, no woman's going to teach me theology. <laughs> but even though Isaac knew the prophecy that God gave to Rebekah, for some reason, Isaac chose to persist in his favoritism of Esau the firstborn, and he was determined to make Jacob serve Esau, even though God made it very clear to Rebekah that was not going to be the case. Esau was going to serve Jacob. Now we come to the birth in verse 25, and it says there, the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And from the birth, we start to see the differences between these two. And that's really the theme of this chapter. And really, as it goes on in the book here of Genesis, we're going to see how these two develop into the leaders of these two different communities of people. And so we understand the importance of the word, the first, in verse 25. Esau was the first. He had the favored position. He came out first. He was the firstborn. There was no question about it. He didn't stick his hand out and they had to tie a red scarlet, a red thread around it and pull his hand back in and come out later to find it. He was the first. He had the right of the firstborn. He had the right to the promises of God that were made to Abraham about the land and about being the leader of God's people. Those two words, the first, describe Esau's position of favor. The Jewish people were in Esau's favored position. As the favored people, it was referring to their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ when they were called His own in John 1.11. He came unto His own. The Jewish people were in Esau's favored position when the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 15.24, but He answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was great to be in that favored position of verse 25, the first. And we're going to see how that verse 25, the first, with the favored position, it wasn't valued. It wasn't valued by him. He didn't value being in that first position. He despised being in that first position. 
And as a result, something happened. Something happened to the one who was the first in verse 25. And the Lord Jesus Christ stated that and when he said what happened to those who were in the first position when he said in Matthew 20, verse 16, so the last shall be first and the first last for many be called, but few chosen. And what we're going to see and what follows here is how Matthew 20, 16, we just read here, it's going to play all out. It's just going to play out of this last being first and the first being last, and many called and few chosen. We're going to see how Jacob, in the last position, he's going to rise to the first position. We're going to see how Esau, in the first position, he's going to fall to the last position. We're going to see how Esau, he was called, but he despised that calling, and he wasn't chosen, therefore. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We've got an offer for you, 20 tracks, our Ten Commandment tracks, which Ask the question, are you good enough? These are the tracks we put out on our Summer Blitz Jewish Evangelism campaign. Jewish people get them, Gentiles get them, and it's Have You Kept the Ten Commandments and Learn How You Can Have Friendship with God Inside uses all Old Testament verses to show the plan of salvation that God has provided. And it's Israel Restoration Ministries information on the inside. You can have 20 of these fantastic, high-quality gospel tracks for a donation of $20 or more. These are full color, and you'll enjoy these gospel tracks, and it'll help support Jewish evangelism. Call us now, 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. $20 or more, you'll get these 20 gospel tracks from Israel Restoration Ministries. 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. And seeing that Esau wasn't chosen, but hated by God... We have to ask the basic question, on what basis does God choose a person? On what basis does God choose a person to be saved? On what basis does God choose to hate or love a person? And when we look at Esau, the answer is clear. It's crystal clear. God chooses to save a person based on what that person's first decision is, to value or despise God's calling. As we'll see, Esau chose to despise God's calling, his birthright. And when we look at Esau, the answer is clear because we'll see God chooses to hate a person based on that person choosing first to hate God. And as Esau did, and that's what he meant, what God meant when he said in Isaiah 66 too, for all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. See, God says he's going to look to the person who's poor. God says he's going to look to the person who's broken. He says he's going to look to the person who trembles at his word. See, who determines that? Who determines if a person is going to adopt a broken spirit, is going to tremble at the word of God? Is it God or man who determines that? It's man. Man determines that. Not every person. Not every person decides, as we know, to tremble at the word of God. It was that case in Ezra's day when he was looking for who was going to take God seriously. And so there came this day in Ezra's day when he met with those who took God seriously. And then he looked over this group and he says, now what can we say about this group that have gathered himself to take God seriously? And he wrote about it in Ezra 9.4 when it says, then were assembled unto me. Everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. 
because of the transgression of those that have been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. See, Ezra said, I saw them. I see them. I see them right now. He's writing, I see those who are taking God seriously. You know what I see? I see tremblers. I see people trembling at the words of the God of Israel. See, there was this prison keeper, and he said to Paul, what must I do to be saved? And not everybody said that to Paul, but this prison keeper did. It's described about him when it says in Acts 16, 29, then called he for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in thy house. Each person decides, am I going to tremble? Am I going to take God's word seriously? Am I going to tremble before it? Or am I going to treat it lightly? See, there was a man who the Lord Jesus Christ described as a man who came not justified and then left justified. And he describes him in Luke 18, 13 through 14 when he says, the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. See, that man who was justified, he was too ashamed to come near. He stood afar off. That man who was justified, he's described as one who didn't lift up his eyes. That man who was justified, he's described as one who was hitting his chest in a hatred of the sinner that he was. See, that man who is justified, he's described as calling himself a sinner and begging for God's mercy. See, to summarize it, the Lord Jesus Christ says, you know what he did? Everything, you just put a whole package around it. You say, he humbled himself. The Lord Jesus Christ made it clear. He humbled himself. God did not humble him. He humbled himself. That man decided to humble himself because that man's decision to humble himself, God decided to justify One followed the other. He humbled himself. God didn't humble him. He humbled himself. And true, the mighty hand of God came down on him as it comes down on each one of us. But it's the decision of the person how he's going to respond to that mighty hand of God. See, when God sees us going the wrong way, then God's mighty hand comes down on us. And then it's our decision. Are we going to humble ourselves? That's why Peter says, do that. Humble yourself in 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due times. There's so many times when we've gone the wrong way. So many times when I've gone the wrong way, God's mighty hand came down on me. You know, I remember one time I was in Paris in the 1990s. I want to take this customer. I really want to impress this customer. So take him to one of these famous three-star Michelin restaurants called Michel Rostang, where you have to make reservations six months in advance. That's the place. And so I had just gotten this new suit. It was a light tan suit. And I wore that suit the first time. Oh, I really liked that suit. I mean, I'd been traveling around. I was down in Rome, got this suit. Boy, I thought I was the cat's meow in that suit. It was almost white, and it fit perfectly. And I was really proud of that suit. And I was kind of like feeling it, you know, and I walk. And I remember thinking the whole time at the restaurant, boy, this suit is really cat's meow here. All that light tan without a spot on it. And I thought, boy, I really feel like something in this suit. You know, and the waiter came by and he says, can I take your jacket? Oh, no, you can't take this jacket. <laughs> I said, you know, I want to wear this jacket. I got to feel this jacket. And I was getting real proud over that suit. And I was going the wrong way. And God saw that I was going the wrong way. And I needed a little bit of his mighty hand. 
Well, that restaurant, Michel Rostand, they're famous for making a certain duck dish called duck rouen. And duck rouen is where they prepare the duck in its own juices, and then they put the duck in this press, and they press it, and then they serve this pressed duck meat. And so the table next to us had ordered this duck rouen. And so they bring out this cart, and on this cart is this very ornate stainless steel press you know, probably came from Louis XIV's place or something like that. <laughs> and it had a large wheel on the top, you know, to operate the press. And so, you know, I was watching that, and in went the lightly cooked duck. And the waiter starts to turn and crank on this wheel to press the duck. And then all of a sudden, a spray of duck blood comes shooting out right across me. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I felt it, and I thought, I can't believe it. And I, and I looked down, and there's a bright red stripe of duck blood across me. And I thought, mm. nobody else was hit by that stripe. It was just me. It was perfect. It was a precision French Exorcet missile that came out of <laughs> came out of that press and hit me. And then Michel Rostong himself, he comes rushing out from the kitchen. He was profusely apologizing. And at that point, I agreed to take the jacket off. And as soon as I looked down, I remember exactly, as soon as I looked down and saw that red stripe, I thought, I got a decision to make right here. I have a decision to make. Am I going to get angry and mad about this? You know, and start with all the French, oof, you know, c'est pas possible, how can this be, you know, this is unbelievable, incredible. You know, I was going to do that, or just kind of hang my head down and say, you know, God, I had it coming, and confess my pride to God. And I remember thanking God at that point for the stream of duck blood across me, because that stream of duck blood was the mighty hand of God, and it humbled me. You know, that happened over 20 years ago. I've never worn that suit again. (laughs) <laughs> I said, I still have it in my closet, you know, and I take it out and I look at it. It's a memorial, what it is. The, the restaurant took the suit. They dry cleaned it. Still has the plastic cover on it from the dry cleaners in Paris. And I was going the wrong way in pride. You come over to my house. I'll show you that suit. There was actually one advantage, I have to tell you, to that experience. Since that, I've called Michelle Rostong at times and asked for reservations for me and my customer for the same day. And all I have to do is identify myself. I'm the person who had the duck blood striped across them. <laughs> Same-day reservations, anyway. So now we read in verse 25, the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. They called his name Esau. See, the name Esau, Esau, it means rough. And so as a baby, he looked rough. He looked pretty rough with so much hair on his body, and he looked like he was dressed in a coat all ready to go out in the field. And so from his birth, he's known as the hairy one. He's known that way. And so Jacob's going to use that fact with Esau being the hairy one when he goes to Isaac, his father, and impersonates Esau, and he puts goat's hair on his arms and his neck, and he tricks Isaac into believing he's Esau. He's going to use that. And then we read how the next words are telling us something important about Jacob. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. His name's called Jacob. And Esau, he was 60 years old. She bare him. See, after that, his brother came out. Clearly, Jacob is the second born. He is the after that brother. He's the after that came his brother out. But he was a struggler. He was a struggler. Jacob will see that Esau is called to take this position, this position of his birthright, be the leader of the people of God. And because Jacob will know, in verse 26, that he is the son called the after that his brother came out. He knows that. But Jacob will see his father Isaac favor Esau. And by his favoritism of Esau, Jacob will understand Isaac is calling Esau 
to that position of being the leader of the people. And that's going to hurt Jacob because it's going to hurt him because he's the verse 26 after that came his brother out. And even though Jacob, he is the verse 26 after that came his brother out, he's going to value what Esau despises. And when I think of Jacob in that verse 26 position, after that came his brother out, I think of seven-year-old Ariana at our last Sunday evening Christmas program. You know, there the program had finished, and I'd given the invitation, and I had in mind some adults in the audience who I knew they came here, they were lost. They were not saved. And I gave the invitation, and I gave the gospel call, and I gave the gospel call again, and I explained it several ways because I was focused on those lost adults. I didn't want them to leave as they came, lost. I wanted them to leave saved. What a great day of studying the Bible here for a Monday with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. We appreciate you listening, but we also need your support to continue airing on this station in your city. Now you can support us by going online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, donate one time online, or you can call us and be one of our monthly supporters at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. You can support us for a donation of any amount, maybe it's $5, $10, $20 a month, something that will be an encouragement and keep this Bible teaching radio program going that you love so much. We have lots of downloads of this program that are free and made available free because of your support and donations, and that's also online at friendshipwithgod.org. But again, we need your support, so please donate by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. And for any donation of $20 or more, we'll send you 20 full-color Gospel Israel Restoration Ministries Old Testament tracts. These are wonderful Ten Commandment tracts, and your donation will help support this radio program and Jewish evangelism. Call us for this $20 donation and 20 tracts. 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051.